Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Brighton podcast. We exist to help people love, trust, and follow Jesus in everyday life. We're glad you're here, and thanks for listening. More information on the life and mission of City on a Hill Church can be found at coabrighton.org. That's C-O-A-H-Brighton.org. Good morning, as she has hope said. My name is Brandon. If I haven't got a chance to introduce myself to you yet, I'm sorry about that. Um, hopefully we get a ch- chance to chat afterward. I love questions, challenges to anything that we talk about here. It's a gift to any preacher or teacher. So I hope you feel the liberty to come and talk to me afterward. Uh, we're in a sermon series right now called Life Together. We normally preach through books of the Bible, try to go verse by verse or chapter by chapter. Um, right now we're in a bridge in between uh, Genesis and we're going to start John very soon. We're doing this little series, picking some topics hopefully being very Bible-based while we do so, but these are topics that we think are just thematic and introductory. And so we we did gospel, community, and now we are on mission, uh, core values that we've been hitting. So very excited to talk about it. Um, And I would start by telling you about a friend that many of us have here. Unfortunately, this gentleman doesn't live in Boston anymore. We're very sad for, but uh, this friend, uh, when he was here, presumably still does, he loves a very particular hamburger. And for me, just sharing those two facts about this person, many of you already know who he is, right? His passion for this hamburger uh, was a key feature. People knew about him. And he's at the, the Avenue Bar in Alston. They have a particular burger there called the Bird's Nest Burger, which he loved it. It, was, it came up very often in his speech about where to go eat. He would recommend it. And most um, distinctly, he said... I will, if you will come with me to have this hamburger, I will buy your first one. He believed in this hamburger very much. And friends, that, those simple facts about this individual, they illustrate the most important aspects of mission. Okay, that we will be talking about today. Not necessarily Christian mission, but certainly mission. And friends, as you, I'm very, uh, have a lot of trepidation going into this sermon, like many, but this one, I'm very, very conscious of some big gaps and failures in the content. I will not, in this sermon, give a good distinction what are the differences between mission and evangelism. They are not quite synonyms. I'm not going to do a good job of explaining uh, the purpose and mindset Christians ought to have with non-evangelistic activities. Within mission, I'm not going to emphasize the role of, like, emphasis on disciple making and, and that the job of Christian mission isn't done just once you have a convert. I'm not going to highlight the essential role well of the Holy Spirit in mission. I'm not going to properly emphasize the, the primary emphasis to go to those whom have little to no access to the gospel. I'm not going to do a good job providing you a bunch of practicals. I'm going to try to give some. And uh, so if you hear this sermon and you think all those uh, were faults with it, then you can join the club. I agree. But in 40 minutes, I've tried to pick and focus on that, which I think, which I think is most important and most foundational for us. And if you would like to talk about these other topics, then persuade uh, Aaron to let me preach some more sermons on this. And I'll be gladly do 40 minutes on any one of those. But what I hope we do get out of this time, I hope I can succeed at showing you why this word is so common 
in Christian vernacular, mission, when, I put a footnote on this, but for the most part, this word does not show up in the Bible. For the most part, okay? Obviously, the Bible wasn't written in English, Hebrew, Old Testament, Greek, New Testament, but the translation, there is a word. It, for the most part, does not show up, and yet it seems so important, and it's so central. And for those of you who are already taking mission very seriously, I pray and hope this sermon will just throw fuel on it because it can be very tiring, exhausting. And I hope you feel encouraged and strength to keep going. And for those of you who identify as Christian, and it is not a central aspect of your life, I hope there is a healthy conviction, a healthy, a healthy opportunity to want to go and reflect is it possible, is it possible that a lot of the disappointment I have in the way life is playing out and how I organize my life, a lot of the lack of excitement in my life, is it possible that it's due to not embracing when the fundamental charges God, Jesus Christ has placed in your life? So my hope is when moving out of here, that would happen and you would see there's great excitement. There's a great adventure that Jesus is calling you to. So we're going to do that. Uh, try to do that looking through a handful of points. We are going to look at what, who, why, why not, and how. That's what we're going to go on. And most of the time, once again, as you know, I spend a lot of time usually on first points. So don't panic when we've used most of our time on just what. What is mission? As I said, the word mission isn't in uh, the Bible really, um, it, it does show up in a few places, but not typically how we talk about it. And I actually, I got to study in England for a year and I had a paper to write. And the title of the paper that we were assigned was Mission Without Evangelism is Not Mission. Explain. And we had two weeks to do these assignments all in your extra time, extra time in that program. And it took me about nine days to even get started which is not because not I was procrastinating. I was reading, I was talking, I was asking, I was thinking. I was like, I don't even know how to begin to answer what constitutes mission, what should or should not be a part of mission. If I don't know what mission is, what is mission? And every time I'd talk to people about it and I'd read big books, Bosch has this 700 page tome on it. It would be like people describing it. There was just some kind of definition assumed that I couldn't quite get to the bottom of, they were only trying to answer a question before they had defined a word. And maybe this is obvious to you. It wasn't to me. I had to, this is the most help I ever got from looking at an extra biblical source to answer a biblical question. I just went to a dictionary and looked up mission. Mission is something like an assignment on which someone is sent by someone else who has authority. So maybe that's not and big revelation to you, it wasn't huge to me, but at least it's like, oh, now I know how I can start to answer this question. I know what now to go to the New Testament and the Old Testament to go to the Bible and look for, because I know what this word means. And having done so, uh, it made sense why Christians use this word a lot, <laughs> because it's all over the place. And a mission is some kind of assignment or task or charge or objective that somebody gives to somebody else, and it usually implies going somewhere different, some kind of change of location. So 
we have this key text. Do we have the John 17 verse again? This is one of the clearest. Jesus says, this is the high priestly prayer in John 17. This is before, very close to when he's about to be betrayed. He says, as you have sent me, praying to the Father, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And so we learn a little bit about what Christian mission is just from this verse. Who is the one with authority? That's pretty easy. It's Jesus. Who is the one who is sent? People sent, that is the church. It's us. To whom are we sent? The world. And it's very important to know that's somewhat talking about the extent, but more so it's talking about who. John, in the New Testament in general, especially in John, the world is an emphasis on those who do not know God. Those whom are apart from God. We have sent them to the world. But what is the assignment? What's the objective? Okay, that's not in that one verse alone. We don't see it. And there's basically, in Christian circles, there's two, I'm, I'm trying to limit it down to two main opinions. Okay? There's two main opinions on what is this assignment? What's the task? What's the objective? One big opinion is that basically the task is essentially everything the Bible says that's good to do. Okay? And the other one is, has a bit more of an emphasis. No, the mission of the church is to bring people to know and enjoy Jesus. I just want to camp on this slide for a second to talk about this first one. All right, basically the line of reasoning or argument goes, hey, look, I go to the Bible and I see something. The Bible says this is really important. Therefore, Jesus expects us to do it. Therefore, it is part of the mission of the church. Something like that, okay? Everything is mission that's good to do. Your job is mission. Excelling in your workplace is mission. Excelling in academia is mission. Uh, personal holiness is part of mission. Uh, social justice is part of mission. And you can go to the scriptures and see, yeah, it does promote that. It promotes the either explicitly or implicitly, Christians ought to care about the arts and the sciences and the marketplace. Like these are good endeavors. Okay. That's kind of the mindset. And I am sympathetic with this way of thinking for many reasons. One, the famous Matthew 28 passage, the Great Commission, Jesus charges them to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So, okay, like it's important. There are it's all important and it's all a part of, in some sense, the mission. I'm sympathetic in that sense, okay. I'm sympathetic because of the emphasis on, we, we think this is only a New Testament idea. It's not, it certainly is different and far more emphasized. But even back in the garden, the, the, what is called often the creation of the cultural mandates that, that humans were to, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, rule and subdue it. That's kind of the chapter one emphasis. Chapter two in Genesis, it talks about them 
God, uh, there's Eden and then there's the garden. He puts them in it to work it and keep it. And that keep it word in particular is a very interesting word and it's artistic and it's breadth, but this idea they were to make culture. And, and the idea when you put that together is Adam and Eve and humans were to expand the garden and keep the garden going and increasingly make the earth more habitable for humans, right? And a better place to live and worshiping God all along the way. So like this idea of like, yeah, that was all encompassing. People weren't telling people about Calvary in Genesis 2, okay? So I'm very sympathetic with this. I could keep going, right, on why I like this definition. There are other reasons I don't like it. Um, it being wrong, maybe, is one, uh, but that's mainly tongue-in-cheek, right? It's because, like, it, when, you, when, you make it, when you make a word that all-encompassing, it makes mission a synonym with be a follower of Jesus. It makes it a synonym with obey, okay? Which, is, which may be, like, true to some degree, but it's, like, it's not very helpful. It doesn't give you much nuance if it's not more specific than that. More importantly, it just misses the emphasis of the Bible, in at least three ways. I think the second one here, you'll see from following things, right? To bring people to know and enjoy Jesus has the right emphasis. It's the right focus of why we came up with the word mission in the first place. Why we started using this word. Here are the three reasons we're going to see. Okay. We know that, I think we're going to find that you see that the objective, the fundamental, maybe not the only, is not the only don't hear most essential and necessary to be a synonym with only. But the most fundamental and the most central reason is to bring people to know and enjoy Jesus. Why? We know it because our mission parallels Jesus's mission. And we're gonna see what his mission is. We're gonna look at the post-resurrection charges, commissions to the church and the ongoing theme from the beginning end of the New Testament. That's what we're gonna see a little bit of. So firstly, our mission is to parallel Jesus's mission, okay? That is the verse we started with. As the Father sent me in the world, so I'm sending them into the world. He says a very similar thing to the disciples in John chapter 20. He says, uh, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Talking to the disciples. So we know that whatever our mission is, it has analogies, it parallels Jesus's mission. Jesus was sent on a mission. Someone with authority, the Father, sent someone else, Jesus, somewhere to the world. The incarnation is the quintessential mission, the quintessential cross-cultural mission in every way. Totally contextualize, right? What was the purpose? What was the primary aim of it? Can you go to the next slide for me? We have several verses, look at B here, that are the primary mission. We're not going to all of them, but where he states more emphatically, more clearly or concisely than anywhere else, here's why I came. For this purpose, I came. Let's look at, I think I've got John 12. In John 12, Jesus says, he's, this is like, he's anticipating being arrested, right? This is at the end of Passion Week now. He says, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. 
This is the purpose. I don't want to go through this in a real sense. He doesn't want the wrath of God, the separation from God. Nobody wants to be crucified. But this is why I came. Unless you are unclear, he says just a few verses later, he says, um, and when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate by what manner of death he was going to die. That's just a few verses later. Okay, this purpose, what, did he have more than one thing? Yes, Jesus did lots of things while he was here. But was there something that was central and fundamental? He came to save people from their sins, to draw all people to himself through his death on the cross. Most people know John 3.16. If you have any background in church, right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And do you know what verse 17 says? Right? For God did not send his son into the world so that he, to condemn the world, it says a few verses later that the world's condemned already. The father didn't send the son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. He came to save the world. That is his mission. So if he sends us, if he says, father, in the way you've sent me into the world, so I'm sending them. Okay. We, maybe, we don't even need more verses to get the idea of what is the central facet of this sentness, of this objective that the church has. It is to bring people to Christ. Secondly, we see his, his post-resurrection charges to the church. We already said Matthew 28, which you've probably heard before. Let's look at, uh, there's four of these at least. These are the main ones people look to. If you, don't, if you want to know why Mark is not up here, feel free to ask me about that afterward. Let's look at Luke 24 real quick. Just so you see, every single one of these that has this sentiness to it, this charge right there, something about forgiveness of sins, making disciples of Jesus. Here's how Luke says, Jesus, these are Jesus speaking. He says, thus is written that the Christ should suffer, should suffer, he should suffer. Meditate so much on single words in the Bible, friends. It's written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Okay, this is Luke's, one of Luke's versions of the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Thirdly, how do we know this central aspect is bringing people to Jesus. It is because of the ongoing New Testament thing from beginning to end. And I just thought of two categories. One was in the gospels themselves, the initial responses to Jesus. Okay, I love John 4. I don't think I have that verse up there. Remember John, that's the woman at the well, the woman who's, uh, he's calling out about all of her husbands, right? Asking for water. And at the end of it, after she has just been, just awestruck, convicted, and felt loved by Jesus. She isn't instructed to do so. She just goes back and she says, come, come and see a man who told me everything about me. Could this be the Christ? And you see that, that facet over and over. The natural response in repentance and faith is to go and point back to Jesus. 
come and see this man. Ongoing testament of the New Testament, beginning to end, friends. Um, I think I have a verse up here, but let's, let's skip it. 2 Corinthians 5, there's so many. Revelation 22 is one of the last verses in the Bible. It's one of my favorite. It's the only verse I know of where there's this direct invitation. It says that the bride, which is a symbol for the church, the spirit and the bride say, come, come to the living water and drink all who are thirsty without price. It's, one of the, it's like the third or fourth last verse in the Bible. Invitation to Jesus. So skip past the next one for me, Tim. That's 2 Corinthians. Ah, stay here. Yes. What is the assignment? This is a major clarification. I'm sorry. I'm typing fast on here. The exclamation mark equal is a coding thing. It means not equals. Uh, sorry. It's a nerd preaching today. Bringing people to know and enjoy Jesus is not the same thing as just getting people saved. Now, the quotation marks there are important because I mean that in like the vernacular of a lot of popular Christian culture. Saved properly understood, it is the same thing. Okay? But normally the way we talk about it and the way a lot of people think about mission and going and making converts is like getting people to sign cards or walk an aisle and just... We give money, maybe, right? Like something shallow, something simple, something that is not deep and heartfelt, guys. Um, you need to, to get what we, why this is central. You need to understand the gospel. We talked a lot two weeks ago. Do you remember two weeks ago talking about the great exchange that instead of glorifying God, the creator, we glorified create. Shun. The goal of introducing, of saving people is so that people would come to enjoy, know, worship God. That they would come to have the thing that they were made to have. And without it, you will forever be dissatisfied. Okay? Did I put John 17 on there? Come on. Yes. Yes. This is in the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus's prayer. This prayer should shock you. Father, I desire those who, that you have given me. I desire that they may be with me where I am to see my glory. I desire that they may be with me to see my glory. Can you imagine hearing anyone else say that? Like even... Tom Brady, when he was at the Patriots, like, yeah, that's why we go to Foxborough. We're there to see your glory, man. But like, don't talk about it. Don't like, don't say it, right? Jesus, what you desire that will be with you, to see you, to look at you, to enjoy you, to know you. Like, that is what we were made for. That's the definition of worship. It's what eternal life is. He's already said in verse three that this is eternal life, that you would know God, and his son whom he has sent. That is what eternal life is. And when we are on mission, the reason we're on mission is because we've discovered him. We found him. We want him. This is so satisfying. This is so much better than all that other stuff I was trying to satisfy myself with. I want him. I know him. I like him. That's what worship is. John Piper has this famous quote. It is so good. The reason missions exist is because worship doesn't. 
If everyone worshiped, once everyone worshiped, there will be no missions. That's the only reason we have missions. Ultimately, that is what being saved means, is to come to know God, know personally, to enjoy him, to be reconciled to him. We just want people to have everlasting joy that does not let you down when you die. There's so many other good things I want to give to people. I want to help people with. So do you. We see the needs. The needs are endless and we want to meet them and we ought to, and we should spend time doing it. And if we meet all those needs and people have not come to know the one they were made to know, how can you compare? How can you compare? That's, so don't hear me say the emphasis is on, and I, I mean, I tried to pick knowing and enjoying Jesus. I tried to pick some way to say it, to, to minimize the idea that I'm looking for something shallow. We just want people to say they're Christians. We just want some survey that says, oh yeah, five billion people say they're Christians. If five billion people are not worshiping God through Jesus Christ, I, I'm not impressed. I don't care how many people say I am a Christian. I care how many people like Jesus, right? Okay, so much more to say, but let's keep going. That's what? So well, I think I have a, a summary slide, right? And I don't even, I, I rewrote it several times. So what is Christian mission? It's Jesus' charge to the church to go everywhere with the continual and fundamental aim of introducing people to him. I don't like it a ton, but it's pretty, it's true. I've rewrote that so many times. I don't know the best way to summarize it, friends. Christian mission is the desire to maximize the worship of God through Jesus Christ. Something like that. That is what Christian mission is. If you are doing something else to help people, you very well are probably doing a great thing. And it very well may be a mission, but it is not a Christian mission. If it does not have an element, a, the fundamental element is not wanting people to come to know Jesus Christ. Okay. Who? Who? Whose mission is this? To whom has Jesus given this mission? I said these can go faster, right? We've already answered it. This is your mission. This is your mission. At Matthew 28, uh, his promise is, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Is that only for the disciples? Or is that for Christians? Okay. The John 17 passage, the one we read, um, that's in the high priestly prayer. You often in the New Testament, we're gonna have to deal with this when we're in John. It's often hard to actually distinguish when Jesus gives commands or says things to the disciples, how to interpret that and apply it to the rest of the followers of Jesus. And like, it often is an interpretive challenge. John 17 is the only place it's not hard. John 17, verse 20, he says explicitly, I don't only pray this for these, but I pray for all those who will believe through their word. John 17 is for all of us. And when he says, as the father sent me, so I am sending them. That is for you, if you identify as a Christian. Okay, 
That is who. But I have another verse. I really like this one. Go to Acts 8. Do I have that one? Yes. Acts 8. This is right after uh, the martyrdom of Stephen, right? And Saul approving of the killing. And then it says this. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. They were all scattered, except the apostles. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So three observations about this text. Who went about preaching the word? Not the apostles. Me and you. Second, I don't prefer that they translated that word preaching. This is the ESV. Uh, There are lots of words in Greek for public proclamation and that being, and it being the only thing that that means, like the caruso and stuff. This word is just, we have a word gospel in English that comes from a noun in Greek that I can't pronounce properly, eugelion. There is a verb form of eugelion. You can ask Kyle later to tell you what it is. Okay. This is just the verb form of gospel. Now, those who were scattered went about gospeling the word. It's just talking. It is not that you all are called to stand up here and monologue to groups of people. You are called to spread the word. You are called to talk, speak the word, to gossip the word. The third thing, which is a little bit of a question mark, that the great commission that's in the beginning of Acts, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It seems like Christians weren't doing their job. So maybe God, one of the reasons he allowed persecution was to get them off their butts. So it's a bit of a warning there to maybe think about. But the main point there is, this is for all of us. Here's a quote from one of my uh, late mentors now, Michael Green, New Testament scholar, evangelist. This guy was the Billy Graham of England. Um, he said in one of his books, he said, it was an unselfconscious effort. They were scattered from their base in Jerusalem and they went everywhere spreading the good news, which had brought joy, release, and a new life to themselves. This must often have been not formal preaching, but the informal chattering to friends and chance acquaintances in home and wine shops, on walks and around market stalls. They went everywhere gossiping the gospel. They did it naturally, enthusiastically, and with conviction of those who are not paid to say that sort of thing. Who? Anyone who identifies as a Christian. That is whom this mission has been given to. Why? Why do we do this? Why is this mission given to us? Why should we? Because what worship is. That's what worship is. It was worship does. I, I gave these quotes a couple weeks ago from C.S. Lewis. For those who say I don't take feedback, right? I try to some. So here are the same quotes on the screen for you, right? C.S. Lewis says about worship, about praise, he says, this sense in which a picture deserves or it demands admiration. Think of, that, think of that line from Jesus, him saying, I want you to be with me where I am to see my glory. He deserves glory. He deserves your worship. 
Think about that idea. Since he deserves it, that admiration, the, the, the sense is that that admiration is the correct, adequate, and it's the appropriate response to it. That if paid, admiration will not be thrown away. And that if we do not admire, we shall be stupid, insensible, and great losers. We shall have missed something. The praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. That is the natural. How could you bite into that delicious thing and it be delicious and you not go, mmm. That response is what worship is. And what is the thing you want to do next? You got to try this. You got to have a bite. How disappointing is it to hear a great joke and not be able to pass it along? That is what mission is. That's why, because it's obvious to someone who has seen and tasted and experienced. We don't need a Bible verse. So many Christians have done this in history. They didn't go read and said, oh, I'm supposed to go introduce other peoples to Jesus. The woman at the well didn't need that. It was the natural response. No one is paying my friend to go and tell people, hey, if you try this burger, I'll pay for it. I'll buy you this burger. No one instructed him to do so. He's not paid to do so. He gets no commission from doing so. He wants to. It's part of the delight. It's part of the enjoyment. It is part of faith and repentance. That's what faith and repentance, part of what it is. Lewis says it better than me. Let's skip it. Um, there's another one. Yep, don't worry about it. Also because it's urgent. Now, anyone who's heard Christian sermons on mission evangelism probably know somewhat where I'm going and probably rightly so. Guys, it is so easy to forget. Most people in the world know nothing true about Jesus. Okay, it's easy, easy, easy to forget it. Most people in the world who have heard of Jesus, they know as much about him as you do about Confucius. And if they're active in their local syncretistic church, maybe they know as much about them as you do about Buddha. Like it is a enormous need. That's not the main point here. That's not the angle I wanna come in at on urgent. It is urgent for that reason too, okay? It's urgent because the world is serious. And it's so easy to forget how serious and big and radical the world is because we live in Disneyland, America. People are so valuable. People are so important. The need is huge. Here's, there's this person I just started reading recently. I like him and I give a quote. His name's C.S. Lewis. Let's go to that. This is the end of one of his famous sermons called The Weight of Glory. It is so good. It is so good. It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a whore and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. There's another, it keeps going. There are no ordinary people. 
you have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Yeah, we can hardly bear this. Like this, it is one of the biggest reasons I struggle with mission is it's just so impossible. It feels so impossible that it could be that important, that weighty, when I just need to get the dishes done, right? And we do need to get the dishes done and that is honoring God and he wants you to do it. And it is, it is just hard to live in this world. So I'll leave it there. It is urgent. That's why we must do mission. Thirdly, very quickly on why is because you want your life to count. You do not want to look back on your life and think I wasted it. In heaven, friends, we will be able to worship God every way you worship God now, just about, except one huge one. You will never ever be able to share the gospel with someone who does not already believe it. You will never get to do that again. We have these few slight decades, this tiny slice of forever to tell people who do not believe it. It must be continual. One of the reasons I like that definition of everything everything under following Jesus' mission, one of the reasons I'm sympathetic with it is because it doesn't start and stop. You don't go, oh yeah, I got to work in a little mission today. We've got to find ways to integrate it into all of our lives. Why? Why don't we? Why not? I had a bunch on this. Um, We're just not going to have time for it. You know some reasons why not. I'll share One, because we do not believe it. In at least two senses. One, you already know one sense I mean, which is we haven't experienced this this idea of, of ecstasy in the gospel, in the glory of God, we ourselves have not perceived. And so of course, we're not looking to share others. I'm not about to get on mission for the bird's nest burger. I did go this past Friday and meet a friend there and I wanted to try it just in preparation for this sermon. And it was fine. It was fine. And I'm not about to become a missionary on that bar's behalf. And that is where most of us are with Jesus. He's fine. He's fine. But I could eat somewhere else too. Why are we that way? One of the reasons is we don't believe it. We don't believe it's true. Friends, if that's you, it's, it's okay. Like you don't, You need to hide it. You don't need to be ashamed. But please, if you're not certain of the truthfulness of Christianity, that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, came to die for sinners, please come talk. Let's let's talk. We need to be certain. We need to be certain or else we won't enjoy and go. How? How mission? I've got lots of reasons. One is basically what I just said. Know the gospel. Can you write it down? Someone said, hey, what's the gospel? Can you you give a summary? Can you give one or two sentences? If not, be able to do that. Know it's true. There are great apologetic resources if that's uh, where you come from and need help with it. I certainly did. Secondly, 
Read and listen to missionary biographies. Oh my goodness. You want, you want some healthy FOMO? Get off Instagram and worrying about where people vacation in Europe and read or listen to history and what people have done. This was just short off the top of my mind. There's a long list. I think all of them, yeah, those are all American or British. Uh, we should, I should have thought about going elsewhere in the world. There are so many good options, okay? I have listened to two uh, like sermon pseudobiographies by, from John Piper on Judson and Patton at least 50 times each. Avengers Endgame has nothing, nothing on those stories. They are riveting. And then I picked Mueller and Fuller because they're not, I put air quotes, right? Missionary, because they didn't go to a different culture necessarily, but the, the integralness to their lives to make their lives count, how they pushed, how the famous phrase comes from Andrew Fuller, how they held the rope as others dove down. Oh, it's good. There's good stories, friends. And I can happy to recommend resources of this. Uh, thirdly, how do we do this? How do we make mission? The third is you use actions and words, but I had to underline words because the actions, they're not optional. You can't be a hypocrite. Jesus gave us lots of good commands and lots of good things to pursue. But you've all, a bunch of you have heard this famous Francis Assisi quote, even though we can't find where he actually said it. Um, Preach the gospel continually and when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel continually when necessary, use words. It's, that's an okay quote. Um, I like what it's getting at. Uh, our actions speak to big time. But words are always necessary. The words are always, go read Acts and circle every time you see speak, said, explained, argued, reasoned, persuaded. The words are always necessary. All those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call on him if they have not believed? And how have they believed if they have not heard? And how will they hear unless someone preaches? And who will go and preach unless they are sent? That's Romans 10. Play that backwards and you've got the basis of mission. Okay, that is mission. Words are always necessary. I want to talk about that. The actions are essential too. And I want to spend more time on it. Suffer, man, it's through sacrifice and suffering. I knew I'd have a typo eventually. Um, there's not time, but friends, uh, it's not easy. You want to talk about preaching the gospel with your actions? Suffering, rejoicing while suffering the testimony, the witness of those in the worst of hardships. And they say, but in the pain, the pain's real, really real. And, and I have God. That's a great action. That, that preaches the gospel very well. Um, you want to talk about integrating mission in your life? I would love to. We'll have to do it another time. I think I want to end here. Um, we're out of time. This quote is, if, if, no, I have one more. Give me one more. So real simple. Yes, very specifically, we have to do this. Don't do it alone. That was Kyle's sermon last week, community, right? You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen genos. 
You are a holy ethnos, so that you may proclaim, you, plural, may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Right? We do this together. We help each other. If you say, well, a Christian community is pretty boring to me. I don't really excited. Maybe you need to dive into mission more. If you go, ah, I'm, not, I'm really scared of mission. I'm not good at mission. I don't want to do it. Well, maybe you need some more Christian community. They work together. Okay. Come to CG. Help us. We need help. Not just like volunteers to fill a slot. We need help remembering and going and pushing to take this seriously and keep focusing on it. Come to exploring Christianity. Use it. Put it on your calendar. Invite friends. Pray. Commit. Say, I will not let it get to that week and I've not invited someone to go with me. It's not that hard. Hey, I forgot to tell you, our church is actually hosting this thing and it's like meant for people to ask any and all questions and there's free dinner and stuff. And, you know, have you ever, would you be interested? Have you really, do you know what Christians believe? Find your way to ask it and say, I'll go with you. Let's go. Me and you. Come to it. Let's do it together and learn together. You need good pre-planned questions. There's so many, I mean, just the way you, in everyday life, you need to take conversations one step deeper, take interest in people, love God and love people. We're just talking about loving people. Love God, worship, love people, mission. Love them. It's not a checkbox. If you've heard me say people are just projects in this, then please tell me that afterwards so I can figure out what to say differently. Right? That is not the case. We love people and we want to take interest in them. This is an app. I know it's on Android and therefore it's you pretentious iOS people can find it too, I'm sure. It, uh, I think Crew made it, God Tools, and it's got a lot of cool stuff in there that I've not really looked at, but one part of it is conversation starters and they just have lists of questions, right? Hey, what's causing most of stress in your life right now? How has life turned out, you know, compared to how you thought it was going to turn out? Just take interest in people and take conversations a step deeper than I'll even say Auburn football, right? Deeper than that. Um, so very specifically. Now, now it's for the kind of hard right turn because I just want to leave it with a certain tone. I struggled to know whether to use this because I, I don't know if I'm ready to hear it and read it. This is, this is a section of a letter that Adoniram Judson, one of those missionaries, uh, 19th century, he went to Burma, modern day Myanmar. And he wrote this letter to a woman's father. It's a woman he wanted to marry and go with him to the mission field. This is a letter he wrote to the father. And it brings together the what's, the who's, the why's, and the house. And uh, buckle up. Um, I just want it to be the tone that we end on. Um, He said to this father, he said, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the Southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? 
Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness, brightened with the acclamations of praise which shall redound to her savior from heathens saved through her means from eternal woe and despair. How I long to get a letter like that from someone from my daughter. And we're all not going to be articulate. This guy's a genius, right? That's not the call. Like, but if we don't want to be people like this, then what are we doing here? What is this game we're playing called church? If we don't want to be that father, that daughter, that man, okay? The last verse I will leave you with is, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Everything that Jesus Christ is asking you to lay down and the challenges you're hearing implied explicit in this moment, the sacrifice and suffering of mission, it is not so that you can lose so others can win. That's not God math. Okay. God math is, it, death is gain. It is gain. And that is a promise. And he lived it out himself. Okay. I'm going to pray for us and we'll transition into communion.